Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to win and uh, 
men hate defeat. They can be become very aggressive. They, they feel humiliated. Oh, so is that a, is that a pride thing? Do you think? Sorry, a pride. That's that. It is a pride thing. It is maybe we were because we rely on our physical strength, especially in sport. You know, and being defeated is something that uh, uh, we don't like. Do you, has that come from your childhood? Has that come from when you were a player, or do you think you you are born with that? That's a mystery. I, I think uh, that's all. We have the same question about yeah. talent. Is it a genetic accident, or is it uh, did you develop your qualities through the early, early childhood? I don't know. The only thing I uh, I can remember is the intensity of my desire, the intensity of my motivation. It certainly came from uh, uh, my bistro where I was educated, where the local football club had the headquarters, and I heard only about football. So I must have thought that's the only thing that matters, basically. People talk about that. And uh, a bistro is as well a good education for a young boy to observe people, to detect why does he say that, you know. So it was a psychological, good uh, education, psychologically. It gave you a real understanding of people from an early age. I tried to understand when you're a boy, five, six, seven years old, you sit there and you listen to all the people uh, the whole day. Uh, you, you try to understand uh, why they say that, why does he say that, and they speak about each other as well. But maybe it's a good uh, psychological education. Um, let's talk football then. Well, we might come back to, to childhood and, and France and Japan as well, where, where you coach. Um, and we're doing this event in the week of your first Arsenal game 24 years ago. What struck me when reading the book, because actually if you go back to the 1st of October, which is when you arrived at Arsenal, your, your quote is remarkable, really. You said, I've been preparing for years to live in London, to live only for this club, to give myself to it completely. And you, fe you felt that that first time. I felt that because uh, I was 47 years old. I had uh, 10 years uh, at the top level in France. I had two years in Japan. I knew I couldn't live anywhere. You know, uh, in my job, you have to take your luggage and go anywhere in the world. So it's a, a job for single people. And uh, I thought I had enough maturity, enough experience, and uh, enough belief in myself as well, because I was a manager over here in France, uh, in Japan, and uh, I know I, I knew a little bit something about the game, and uh, that it was now or never for me, because I had uh, always admired the passion of the game in England, because I feel, for me, England is the country of uh, the heart, you know, passion for music, passion for sport, passion for big emotions, and I thought when I arrived the first time in England, I could understand why football has been created here. And uh, so I, I uh, wanted to stay in Japan unless I had an opportunity to come uh, here to England. Were you quite emotional as well because you had worked for that moment? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about um, football work, but you'd taken yourself off to Cambridge, hadn't you, and, and gone on an English course. So that moment that you arrived at Arsenal, was that... Was that fulfillment? Was that satisfaction? You, you know, uh, you do things in your childhood or when you're a very young boy, 
uh, you don't know really why, but you do them. And sometimes they help you later. I just, uh, when I was a very young boy, I wanted to understand the world around me. And I felt that at the time I was playing football, I, my friends went to the beach. And I thought, I, I don't want to spend a life without speaking English. And I came to Cambridge at 29 years of age. But I never felt at the time I didn't felt me to manage a football team because I was still a player at the time. But well, we ought to say, when you went to Cambridge, that isn't going to university. You went around knocking on doors trying to find... Knocking doors to find... Uh, <laughs> Uh, now my daughter is at Cambridge University, you know, and I never could find the lady again uh, where she gave me a, a, a room to live in. And uh, I just asked, uh, look, I'm a French, can you help me to, so I have a room for, uh, for you. And then the next day I make the test and I was very average in English, you know. And they put me in a class, and I saw that the lady where I lived was the teacher of the class. So uh, I learned the English very well. I worked very hard, and when I came back uh, after, later it decided of my life. You did search around, being able to find. No, uh, I didn't. Um, when you arrived at Arsenal, and, I, and I'm lucky enough to have worked with several of your players who were in that dressing room when you got there. When you walked into that dressing room for the first time, what did you make of them? Because I know from working with, say, Ian Wright and Martin Keogh, <laughs> you're walking, <laughs> you're walking in, you're walking into a dressing room with very different personalities. Well, uh, there were, I must say, uh, the common thing: the only strong personalities, <laughs> you know, from David Seaman to Dixon, Winterbrown, Adams, Bowen, Keogh, and. Uh, and uh, Platt, and uh, you had only strong personalities, the Merson, and uh, you had only strong personalities in there, and they were all around 30. So that's a very sensitive for a manager, because you know at some stage, uh, you have to tell them, my friend, it's over, and that is always very difficult for a manager, because uh, to survive when there are so many older players is difficult. And uh, I uh, raised a lot of skepticism, because people thought, a French guy coming to English football was no history of foreign managers who have been successful. What is going on there? And uh, I thought uh, I was ready to compromise, to adapt to local culture. That's uh, why I took Pat Rice as an assistant, because he knew well the Arsenal uh, way of life. And as well, I was ready to fight for my ideas. So you have always to find a compromise between where you can give in and what you have to impose. And overall, generally, if you can convince a player that if, if he follows what you want of him, he will be a better player, he does it. But uh, you can only do that if you win some games. So at the start, at the start, you have to win football games. And that's what happened. And overall, these players were, I was, must say, they were better technically when I thought they were. They were intelligent, and it was the old way of educating people in football. They were ready for a fight. You know. These guys, you could go anywhere with them. They were ready to go for it. You know. And uh, 96 is maybe the last period where the players from Liverpool did not move from Liverpool. The players from Manchester were Manchester for life. The players for Arsenal, of Arsenal were Arsenal players for life. 
today the mobility is much bigger. So the identification maybe with the club uh, is a bit smaller, you know, but when you were under threat, they were ready to fight for the club. Did you know immediately then that they were ready to embrace a different way of working or did you take your time, assess everything and give it another, well, I don't know, I'll pick it six weeks, eight weeks, or, or do you go? No, I, I think uh, contrary to what people think, you have only three months. Right, you have only three months. To win them over? To win them over. If after the first three months you didn't win, have not won them over, bye-bye. Go somewhere else. So the first to get what you want from people is very short time. time. And uh, uh, after that, uh, I started with a lot of skepticism because I came with my glasses to look like a little teacher. You know, and people thought, who is this guy? What does he want to tell us? We are experienced English football players playing in national teams. And, uh, so I was ready to face that. And uh, as well, uh, still changed my mind, my, my mode of uh, of what they did before. You know, I changed uh, what they did before with my own ideas. And uh, we were lucky because uh, I was lucky because he inherited a good team with good players who were as well fighters and had quality. But were they also skeptical? Because what I didn't realize, and I found out in the book, was. In a game at the end of September against Borussia Mönchengladbach, when you hadn't actually taken over, had you? That no, I was there as an observer. I right. came from Japan. Yeah. yeah, but you made a substitution. You went down to the dressing room at halftime. Tony Adams out of the game at halftime. Yeah, and we lost the game. Right. <laughs> so they must have thought this guy is completely mad. <laughs> and, uh, I thought as well that's quite exciting. Uh, I, I went back to Japan and. Uh, I thought, certainly uh, that was not the best thing I've ever seen. And uh, that makes my job a bit harder. But uh, at some stage, that's what football is about. You have to make decisions. Did you, did you leave it at that stage until you came back? Or did you try? Yes, I did leave it and, uh, until I came back. And, uh, that was in September. And after I came back on the 1st of October, and I think. Uh, we started the first game on the 12th of October. I mean, you say you were ready for it. You were ready for the skepticism. You were ready for the criticism. You, you, you were ready to sort of be um, criticised and put under the, the microscope. Did it, it still must have shocked you, some of the reaction, didn't it? It does, but uh, at some stage when, the, when you're under huge pressure, you have always to come back uh, and think, what am I doing here? What is important for me? Why am I doing this? You know, and uh, so I was ready to fight to get my chance. And uh, I thought the judgment is the judgment of other people, and uh, I can influence that judgment if uh, I win football games and if my team plays in a style that people like. So I was uh, not too concerned about the skepticism and the criticism because I could understand that. And uh, at, at the end of the day, if you start to win football games, the fans are happy. So how important was that first win on the 12th of October against Blackburn? 
it was important because I changed the, the preparation a lot, you know, I changed the diet a lot, I changed the way of... Uh, what were they singing on the coach? The they were singing, uh, we want our mass bars. <laughs> you know, uh, I said to Gary Lewin uh, during a trip to to the uh, to pitch, what are they chanting? He said, they think we want our mass bars back. <laughs> and uh, at half time, I think we won it up. I came in the dressing room. And usually I had let prayers rest before I talk, but nobody said the word. And I said to Gary, what's wrong there? We are, we are winning. Why has nobody said a word? He said to me, we are hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't give them anything? No. No, after we got used to it, you know, but uh, it's all uh, changed the habits of... Uh, preparation and uh, after that when the players when you can convince somebody that you would be a better player mm -hmm. he's doing it but uh, we are uh, especially the modern manager i think a modern manager is in a persuasive mood you know you deal with millionaires they want to be treated like that you have to convince people you have to communicate today you have to individualize uh, the communication and the training even more I think even go a step further, but uh, at the end of the day, if a player thinks he can be better, he will do it. Sean Dyche told me, not Allen, not the, the Burnley manager, that it feels now, in the modern day, not, not by then, but in the modern day, that you are dealing with 25 chief executives of their own personal companies, that's with each individual player. Does that resonate with you? It, it is true, yes, uh, players is a digital company now, but the manager as well, you know, the manager now comes in with a company that makes a contract with, uh, with a football club. And this company is his assistants that are in numbers, and uh, when he's finished, they go with him, and this company has a contract somewhere else. So, but as long as people meet their needs and they cooperate, for the target of the club that means to, to win, it's all right, but uh, it's an evolution. Before, the players could imagine once they were at Arsenal to move somewhere else. But today that has changed. But as long as they commit completely, that is what is to be a real professional. It is uh, once I sign my contract, I commit and I give my best. And life is about give and take, you know. So you have to be careful to balance that always. It's not only to take. Uh, it's give and take. Sometimes you forget as well that life is about giving. But, but do you think that give and take seems harder in football of the last five years than it did when you started out at Arsenal in 1996? Or does it, when you get to, I mean, I'm 47 now, so I'm the age that you were when you took Arsenal. Do you start looking, and I am looking back, is it just through rose tips and glasses that it was so much simpler and easier in the 90s than it is it was maybe simpler but as well uh, a manager needs expertise and to go with the, the evolution you know if you don't go with the evolution you're kicked out so uh, a manager today needs to have expertise to be a strategist and uh, to be a communicator as well he needs less to be a specialist to work on the pitch when i started at the age of 33 it was me and the team on the football pitch. Today, uh, the manager can come on uh, with a jacket because he has his assistants who can uh, make the session. But after that, 
he needs to analyze well this number of information he gets today is flooded with information the model manager is flooded with information the idea is to select the three or four data that can help him to make the right decision when i started it was a fight to get information today you flooded with information so it's more the selective attitude and the wisdom to select the right data that are important you know? and uh, does that wisdom come with experience as well as well of course because uh, and as well by uh, knowing human beings i think the science helps you to understand better the world you live in view knowledge how to select what kind of information you get and your intuition and your experience gets you above that and allows you to make the right decision even even in that last couple of years at Arsenal, were you still? And I'll, I'll go back to. I want to really focus a little bit on the on the glory years and the invincibles. But just towards the end, were you still very much out on the training ground and coaching every day? Every day. You know, it was my life, and uh, I. Uh, you wouldn't delegate. I delegated as well because I had Steve Ball to did a defensive job. You know, I had some. Uh, uh, Boho and uh, some other people who worked with me, Tony Colbert, who did offensive uh, jobs. But I created the session and after delegated as well, of course. But uh, uh, but I, I was hands on, you know, and uh, I, I managed 1,235 games for Arsenal. And I was lucky not to miss one in 22 years. So that means the first is like for the players, first quality is to be lucky to be healthy and be capable to go out every day. Well, let's go back to, to after you'd taken over. Um, you say in the book as well that 14th of March 1998 at Old Trafford, Mark Overmars goal, that you felt was the turning point for you and this team. Can you explain why? It was a turning point because we had one game in hand, we were eight points behind Man United. But that victory instilled belief in a team where we can win it. And once you have done that, you have put that into a team, they, they don't give up anymore. They go for it. Once a team is convinced deeply that this is their chance, you can rely on them, they will go for it. And uh, that day was decided on the belief side. So pretty much, were you thinking this could be decisive for this team? Or is it only with hindsight that you realise how decisive that was? No, when you get uh, into March, you make mathematics. Yeah. You, know? you know, if from eight points behind, uh, you go to 11 points behind, bye-bye. Manchester United will never give you uh, 11 points in from March to May. So, you know, that's the decider. And, uh, uh, a draw left us a small chance. A win gave us a very good chance. And it was, uh, uh, that was, of course, vital on the day. What did you, can you remember what you said in the dressing room after that game? No, not really. I thought uh, you must have said, uh, fantastic, let's, now let's go for it, really, something like that. But... <laughs> What I'm trying to get is these are all experienced players still, aren't they? There are still there are still a very experienced side who have had very good careers. It's interesting that the belief came for some in that so late on. 
because uh, you can have confidence in your belief that you're a very good player, but not necessarily believe that the team is good enough to win the Premiership. And uh, uh, but you, you need uh, team moments where everybody feels, oh, not only I am, you know, I am a good player, but around me we are good enough to win. You know, and that is in key moments of the season. But you get that. Does the same uh, thinking work for you as work for the players? Did it give you belief all of a sudden as well? But uh, I had quite a good uh, potential to believe that my team was good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But you'd gone to Old Trafford and won. We got to Old Trafford and won, and uh, we won the championship and won the double that year. And that is a, certainly, that is a, was a key moment for me as well in my career in England. Because uh, my full, first full season in charge, I won the double. When I was a little kid, we had to. We could only watch one game on television, black and white, and it was the Wembley final. So imagine when I, I could not even dream that one day I would be a manager. But uh, imagine when I walked out the first day uh, or the final day uh, to play the FA Cup final at Wembley, and uh, so it was uh, exceptional. And that's what I wanted to say in my book. You know, life can be bigger than your dream. And I speak to the children today with different, uh, it's very difficult if you're young today, it's very difficult to see where will your life be. So just want to say, be positive, have a passion and a dream. Maybe it will uh, come uh, alive at some stage. You're a firm believer if you, you have a dream, you can achieve your dream. I would say, uh, you know, I made many people intervene uh, this uh, psychologist at the club to talk to them, teams, uh, guys, every two months. I invited somebody to talk to the players to what life is uh, special. Somebody did something special. It was a guy who went uh, through the Pole North, a guy who was dancing with Madonna, and they talked about their experience. A guy who was a world champion, skateboard, and, and uh, after I try to analyze and uh, where you come back to the dream is this guy sometimes they stopped to do what they did to run after their dream, you know. And the, the four common things that came out there was, what is your dream? Go ready for it. Two, uh, how can you make it happen? Three, get rid of all the negative thoughts that come automatically with it. Because uh, somewhere would say, I do it next year, or maybe I'm not, not good enough at the moment to do it. And for commit completely. And all the people who did special things I met in my life, they had these four ingredients. So when I say the skateboarder came to talk to the players, did you sit in and listen as well? Because one of the good, right? Because sometimes when reading the book, you. It's football, 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 isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And and you talk about you looking out of your flat in Japan, and the and you looked onto a, onto a wall. Yes. But that was a beautiful view if you'd want to get it. Yes. And and you had this amazing vista in Monaco, yeah. but that was a horrible view. Over the sea. Yeah, over the sea. sea. If you'd lost a game, that was a horrible view. Take yeah, the, it was horrible. Take the wall. I didn't even see the bit. <laughs> Take the wall if you win. And 
and, and I, I thought, well, did you always go home after a football match? Did you, or did you go out and experience things and try and take things from a concert or a film or, or no, meeting really no, interesting honestly, people? Honestly, no, I'm a bit ashamed to say that, but uh, I, I must say I, I live a monastic life and uh, uh, completely dedicated to what I did. And uh, now I'm a bit scared to say that because people look at me think this guy is completely uh, <laughs> mad, you know, but uh, it was my passion. And uh, I've interest in life, in, uh, but how uh, uh, my passion was to understand the world and how to, to get human beings better and to understand them well. So I, I think as well, you know, that uh, human beings in general arrive uh, quite early in life at a very good level, but they don't move a lot after because we like to to do what is easy and not what makes us better always, you know. And uh, that is quite an interesting conclusion because I have a long, long experience for having worked with people to try to for them to be at their best. And very few in life do absolutely everything to get to them as good as they can be. You know. And I, I believe but it happens more in individual sport than in team sports. Right. But they do absolutely everything in individual sports you have to. In team sports is a bit, uh, can make you a little bit comfortable. Do you think, if I follow on that, that logic, did, did you get too comfortable at Arsenal? I don't know. I, w I would be inclined to say no, but I'm uh, not the, not the, maybe too good a lawyer for myself, <laughs> and uh, I uh, don't have that feeling. But uh, maybe, maybe you have not to rule it out. You know, yeah, first, first uh, it starts with yourself. You know, and uh, in life, and especially in competition where it's a fight to get uh, to your best level, and. Uh, so I cannot rule it out. Yeah, because there are two ways of looking. Look, I'm not your lawyer either, but there are two ways of looking at it, I suppose, which is, you know, that, that once the move to the Emirates happens, you're very much having to balance the books for us, which I'm guessing is a new skill in some ways, and therefore that is a challenge for you. But at the same time, your whole ethos is winning football matches. Yes. And also, you've had adventures in different countries. Would you have been more satisfied? Would you have balanced that side of your character in Milan or Madrid or Barcelona? Well, I, I, I went in a different stage of my career because I, I thought I could win with Arsenal. And uh, you, you, you finished my first period, finished it in 2006, yeah. where you, we missed the. Uh, to win the Champions League final. I think we were really unlucky because we played with 10 men in the final, but it's absolutely. And we are still close to win it, you know. But that was, a, would have crowned this period, 96, 2006. 2007, we moved into the new stadium. And it's true that my obsession, I pushed as well the club to build the new stadium. And my obsession was, we needed to be as many times as possible in the Champions League. We needed to restrict our finances and we needed to sell our best players to pay the stadium back as well. So 
I was maybe uh, uh, happy when you achieve that. But on the other hand, if you look in Europe, there's not many clubs who stayed 19 years on the mm -hmm. court in the Champions League and get out of the group stage. Uh, I think we're only two or three who had bad consistency. So we were remarkably consistent. But as well, I agree with you, we did win the championship, but we could have done two or three times. And uh, uh, so I have to look at myself as well, yes. They also described some of those years after the Invincibles as wonderful. It is wonderful because you do your job and you're not scared to lose anymore. Just go to a game. Sometimes I, I, I thought, why am I paid so much money to do this job? You know, it is so simple. It is so easy. You just come, enjoy. The players own the way we wanted to play. They had, a, they had a kind of charisma. They refused to be mediocre. They did not accept to lose football games, and they owned, they owned that desire for perfection, and they stimulated each other. Once you get to that stage, the manager's job becomes very easy. And uh, I must say, uh, I got praised the most where I suffered the least, you yeah. know. And I uh, got criticized the most where I worked the hardest in my career at Arsenal. And that's uh, the fact that uh, when you have the white players, you can win football. And uh, when you have less good a team, uh, you do with less. Our job basically is to take the maximum out of the potential of the team. And also, I'm guessing that those years were wonderful at times. proud of is I did not run away when it was difficult. 
and I, I wanted to guide the club through a sensitive period and I went to the end of it and uh, thinking when I will leave, I will leave the club in a good financial position with a stadium that is basically not a burden anymore for the club and in good conditions, you know. And today the club can uh, take off again. But that's a huge personal cost to yourself. Yes, but uh, it's interesting as well. You know, it's not, uh, honestly, uh, I'm quite proud of that because it's not only about glamour and uh, winning titles. It's important, of course, it's vital. But uh, as well, other things in life that uh, are really important is what uh, what you leave behind you. Um, for football fantasy, everything tribe, right? So there's 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 no grey area. Everything is very much black or white. Black or white. Um, when you work in football, as I've come to work and talking to lots of people, there is understandably the human side and the tribal side isn't there as much. So for those players that you developed and put a lot of time into who then got success elsewhere. And I don't want Arsenal fans to go berserk at you or me for that. <laughs> but is there, a, is there a human pride that Samir Najri does well somewhere else, or Van Persie does well somewhere else, or Fabregas does well yeah. somewhere else? Because you, I mean, you, you have been a friend and a father figure to them as well. Yes, but uh, uh, basically, if you can help people to develop their talent and be good. You want them uh, to play for you, but at the end of the day, what is the most important is uh, when you have talent, is to be capable to develop it and uh, to feel that you can express it. If it's for you, it's better. If it's somewhere else, it's good as well. Let me go back to 1998, then. back to what we were talking about and winning at Old Trafford. How much for you was that period Arsenal against Manchester United in the late 90s? How much was there an element of you against Alex Lewis? Well, there was a personal competition between him and me. There was a individual competition for in each position between an Arsenal player and the Man United player. But that's coming back to that, but it was war. And in England, I noticed that coming from France, when the pressure is on, the English guy turns to war. Let's fight. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you have this individual preparation for my guys, it's you or me, you know? And, uh, and but it became always uh, the intensity. And sometimes it got out a bit of control and sometimes a lot out of control. But at the end of the day, once, once a competition has gone, uh, like in many competitions, you have respect for each other. Did your intensity go up because their intensity went up? No, I'm a bad loser. And, uh, so sometimes uh, I uh, have only to look at myself. I got out of control as well. Sometimes uh, I have been provoked. But uh, the week before the games, you know, that uh, the pressure is on and uh, every press conference is scrutinized and analyzed and every everything is analyzed. But it's part of... of uh, of the enjoyment of a competition as well. So, so in, in that intense battle, because the, the late 90s and early 2000s, it really was United Arsenal every year. Um, were you 
after you'd done your press conference, would you scrutinise what they were saying? And were you doing stuff in your press conference to, to try and wind them up? Yes, of course. You want to influence what uh, your opponent and you do not want to respond to the provocations from your opponent. And the press knows how to tease that, you know. And, uh, so it was part of, of the preparation as well. Um, the irony, actually, of doing that is I read Ferguson's leading book before I read your book. I, I just happened to be reading that, and then I, I was doing this interview, and so I read yours. Um, I think the two of you are quite similar. Would you agree? Yes, I wouldn't disagree. And uh, I think as well, we are the witness of our period, you know, of a, of a society. And uh, you, you, uh, we are a little bit the product of the evolution of the game. That means we were powerful inside our clubs. We had, uh, at the time, we were made at the time where the influence was only one direction on the player. Uh, the evolution has gone more multi-directional. Today, uh, the manager is not only the the, the only person.
are you, are you and your staff searching, trying to find what's going on? Yes, of course. They try, they try always. Because uh, in, in football, you cannot lose three games on the clock when you're the big club or you're not surviving. You know? So they have to go quickly. We didn't lose the five games, but we hit some goals. And uh, uh, we had, to, of course, uh, to deal with all the, the unrest created by the incidents as well. And uh, so it was a bit turmoil inside the club. And uh, it took us time to recover. Go back to the start of the event sponsor and the start of, of the run. And you told the players they could go unbeaten for the season. But you'd done that the previous season as well. So why did you repeat it? Then what was the thinking there? Because uh, I personally thought uh, to do the immaculate season, uh, I have done a good job and the players as well. And as long as you don't do that, somebody else could do better. So I wanted to say, I've done one year in my life, I've done the job. There's no room to do better. And I wanted as well uh, to, I, I, I think as a group of people, you need always a long-term target and a short-term target. And the long-term target was that's to give them appetite to develop. You need uh, sometimes a target that is higher than the players would put it, you know. And better on me, we didn't win because uh, you told us we want to in 2003, they told me why. I said, why didn't we not win? Uh, you, your target was too high, it's too much pressure. And stupidly, I said, I think you can do it. And uh, so sometimes it shows that uh, don't be scared to be ambitious. Sometimes it takes time. You put the seeds in somewhere in the brain, and it takes time to get out. And uh, so overall, it allowed us as well when we won the championship to give me another motivation to go. Don't lose a game now. You can become immortal now. Christopher said there was five, four five games. Four games left. And we nearly lost each of them, you know, but uh, we just managed because we had that desire to survive, but uh, uh, didn't lose. But when they came to you and the previous season, I said, well, we lost. We lost because you put too much pressure on us. How much time do you then think about actually repeating it? Because there's every chance they could say straight away. I said straight away. Straight away. I think it's Martin Kiel who told me it was too much pressure to. Uh, that doesn't surprise. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, without any worry whatsoever. For you, without any worry. Yes. Sometimes. Uh, in our job, you know, it's important to be stubborn. I know that uh, when you're too stubborn, you can be stupid. But uh, as well, you have to be demanding and insistent on, uh, on many things in, in uh, the job. Um, what made that Invincibles team so great for you? First of all, uh, what makes every team great, first of all, is being good players in every single position. Players who had a special charisma, you know, when you saw when they came in in the morning, you could see these guys refused to be average. You know, they had they carried something that uh, was special and uh, good understanding they had with each other. But uh, I would say above all, uh, great quality. How do you 
when you're recruiting, how do you recruit charisma? Because you've recruited some amazing, you, I mean, you have recruited some amazing players in your time, not just at the Arsenal, go back to, to George Weyer when you were when you were at Monaco. So how do you, as the manager, delve into the personality of a player? Because that, that comes through as being crucial through all your great teams. I, I always look at uh, uh, some special quality, you know, I think one quality, that is, you make your life with a dominant quality. None of us has everything, but uh, we need one quality that is dominant, and we need to be good at anything else. You know? okay. Not special, but one, uh, if you can, can hang your hat on something, and after you look at the intelligence and the motivation of a guy, and uh, then you observe the way he plays football. Because the, the game, is the best revelation of a kind of a person. Because you have no social uh, uh, coverage anymore. In the game, you become who you really are. And by observing well the players, when he, what he does when his partners lose the ball, for example, give you an example, uh, how much belief he has in what he does, how convinced he is, uh, how much he wants it. So all these kind of things you can observe in the game and you know a lot about his character. So you, so you would in the main judge a player's character by what you'd see him do on the football field rather than necessarily talking to a previous manager or an academy coach or whatever it may be? In our job, it's difficult to get the truth. Right. You know, because sometimes people say it's good because they want you to fail or they say it's good because they want to sell the player. So don't rely too much on that. You have to be a bit uh, uh, suspicious on the advice you get. Make you mind up.
Honestly, during the game, I didn't see it. Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, unbelievable. We didn't expect that. Awesome,